message tonight or lesson is perfect. Everybody say the word perfect. Now, there's not a lot of things in this world perfect. And this word perfect doesn't mean perfection. It means completion. Okay? Mature, complete. And so, perfect peace. Everybody say peace. That just feels good, doesn't it? Everybody say it with me again. Peace. Now say Jesus. There's even a greater feeling. But they're somewhat similar. Because Jesus gives us peace. Amen. That peace is not just something we try to generate. But it's something that comes from God. There's a peaceful feeling when you pray. There's a peaceful feeling when we sing. There's a peaceful feeling when we worship. Because we're connecting in the spirit world. And there's peace there that God gives us. Not the peace of this world, but His peace. Amen. Uh, we live in, I, I know you're familiar with this, and I didn't come into a lot of statistics to gather. I started to do that, and I thought, really, no need. Um, give me a little, little more time to preach anyway. Happy birthday, Brother Bobby. Amen. Appreciate Brother Bobby. Hope you had a great birthday today. Hope they spoiled you real well. Amen. We live in a very stressed world. I remember Brother Tipton saying one time to a group, he said, I don't have high blood pressure and I don't have low blood pressure. I just have pressure. Well, I got high blood pressure and pressure. And so we live in a pressurized world. There's a lot of demands. There's a lot of stress factors. There's things that presses us and then we're living in a world where it is at an all-time high of anxiety, depression, pressure, stress. Stress will kill you, they say. I believe that. I think it almost done that to me last week. <laughs> oh, I felt the pressure, the stress, rather. I thought, Lord, now I know why they say it'll kill you. Because it'll just rob you of your peace. And I'm not preaching on that tonight, but... It probably did help prompt the need for this message. Amen. And so we live in a very stressful world. There are things that contribute to stress and pressure. Finances can get us stressed out. When there's more bills than there are money. And there's more month than there is money. And so finances is a pressure. In fact, the number one reason for divorce is over finances. Yeah, finances. So finances can come because we've got to pay the bill. we we got demands and we got needs in our life. And so that's just one of the contributors. Uh, living in an unhealthy home is stressful. Arguing, fighting, disagreeing, being at odds, being in total conflict. That can bring a lot of stress to the couple and to the children. Children don't need to see that. They don't need to hear that. They pick up on it. How many times do you, well, don't raise your hand. They'll say, y'all quit fighting. And you're really not fighting in your terms. You're just, you know, heavily debating. They pick up on the spirit that's happening. Come on, somebody. Amen. 
And then there's abuse that can cause anxiety and stress. Various types of abuse. There can be physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, and then, of course, sexual abuse. Uh, and these affect the uh, other areas of, uh, of causes of depression and anxiety and pressure. Uh, depression can be bullying at school. People fall under the pressure. You know, we would think, oh, just avoid them. But kids commit suicide. Now, can you imagine why would a 13-year-old or a 15-year-old commit suicide? They got the whole world to live for. They don't have any real problems, we would think. But bullying is a major deal. And so it causes these things in people's lives. Uh, peer pressure. Social media is the number one contributor to anxiety and depression on teenagers. But not only teenagers, adults. But the reason social media, you think, well, why would social media cause anxiety and depression? Because people have gotten so enthroned with social media, that's where they begin to live. And everybody's going to put their very best out there. You know, there's some that want to put all their problems out there. But most people put their very best out there. They want to look the best, have the best, show the best side of them. And that causes someone who stays on social media to feel like, well, there must be something wrong with me because I don't have that. Or they see people get all these friends or they post something and they don't get but three likes and other people are getting 100. You think, that's silly. No, it's pressure because it is called rejection. And people are living in a social media world that they gauge their, their acceptance or their whatever to social media. And when it doesn't pan out or when it doesn't measure up or when they feel rejected or they feel lesser than, then anxiety and pressure and depression sets in. You know, I heard a pastor say not long ago, there were several in the church that was having anxiety problems. And he told the parent who came to him, he said, what in the world is he anxious about? His life is easy. No bills. Just school. And so I have to ask the question, why are kids getting anxiety? Depression to the fact that they don't want to live. Why do they do that? Well, some just catch the trend and get involved like they do anything else, and it's not real, so they open the doorway of it, and they get involved in it and start convincing themselves that they're depressed because their friends are depressed. That's part of it. But the social life, uh, of social media is a major contributor, and I'm not here to just discuss. I'm just kind of laying a, a foundation this is a world we live in. The Bible says we shouldn't compare ourselves by ourselves. Why does the Bible teach us not to compare? You know, it's like I've heard Brother Tipton again say this many times. He said, I tried keeping up with the Joneses, but every time I kept up, they refinanced. <laughs> Some people try to keep up with other people because of social status. 
and they can't afford that car, they can't afford that home, or they can't afford those clothes, or they can't afford to go on that vacation, but they feel like they've got to to keep up with their status. Status is bankrupted people trying to keep up. But that's pressure that we're living in a world today of pressure. When I grew up, we were all broke. Almost everybody was poor. So it wasn't that kind of pressure by any means. Amen. I hope I'm not boring you good folks tonight. But listen, God knows our makeup, our DNA. He knows that He made us to be emotional people. That's why if you get a raise on the job and you're excited. Somebody can walk by and give you a great compliment and it'll make your day. Right? Makes you feel better about yourself. Another one can walk by the next day and speak down to you and point out some flaws or some failures or some shortcomings. It'll ruin your day. Why is our days so dictated by someone else's statements or treatments of us? Are we not secure in who we are? But because we are emotional people, we are affected by people's words and treatments and opinions of us because God made us to be emotional. And emotions can be a good thing. Win a million bucks, guess what? You're going to get real emotional. Huh? The person that never lifts a finger in church, you let them win some money or something good happened to them. They jump up and dance around in the house and all excited, screaming, holler. Hello? Because we're emotional people. Tell a sad story about a puppy getting run over and the kid watch it and people go to crying. Why? Because we're emotional. God made us with emotion. Well, there's something about because we're emotional that we become uh, susceptible to things in life. And as culture changes, our emotions are affected by it. Okay? And so there's healthy emotions, and then there's unhealthy emotions. Okay? I'm not a psychologist tonight. I don't claim to be. I'm just, you know, just common sense. And that's why we now, at count meeting this past year, I... I spearheaded it just because there was a great need for it. Emotional wellness. Everybody say emotional wellness. Because people are so under pressure and stress that it affects them trying to live for God. It affects them trying to be a good parent. It affects them trying to get over a divorce. It affects them trying to get past the loss of a loved one. It affects them through the loss of a job. It affects them because of a setback in their health and they just can't get and it paralyzes many factors of their life because we are emotional. Now, I said all of that for this purpose. God understands our emotions. And that's why there is so much scripture concerning peace, joy, sound mind. Everybody say sound mind. Wonder why God put that in scripture. Because he understands challenges and he can't, he can't stop everything from coming our way. Life is going to be life. We're going to mess up. Others are going to do us wrong. There's going to be, remember when COVID was here? Boy, everybody's kind of stressed out. I mean, I know I was. I'm trying to lead a church. 
I got some think you ought to wear a mask everywhere you go, and I think some think you're backslid if you wore a mask. I'm exaggerating. And so there's odds on political platforms. There's odds in, in shots or not the shots. And people were stressed. You didn't know if you should go to the public. You didn't know if you needed to go into, into the grocery store. We had to shut church down. Hello? Preach on the internet. And I'm, I won't go there. I'll spend my whole night talking about that. That was a stressful time, wasn't it? Did we have any choice in the fact? None of us wanted it. So God knows these things are going to come. There's going to be plagues. There's going to be sicknesses. There's going to be tragedies. There's going to be setbacks and disappointments and betrayals and hurts. And there's going to be uh, our self-esteem is going to get low and it affects our emotions. Let me point out three people to where you won't feel so bad about your emotions. Now, my purpose in this lesson now is to point it out that it's a part of us we can't change. It's there. But we have an avenue when things come that we don't have to be destroyed by it. And so majorly negatively affected by it. There is help. Everybody say there's help. There's an answer. And so how many of you think about Job? Wasn't he just an awesome dude? I mean, Job was incredible. He's a hero. I mean, the dude had faith that even if he died, it was all right. He wasn't going to charge God. And we preach about Job and what great faith and trust he had in God. But if you go back and read, he said, I wish I'd have never lived. Huh? He hated the day that he was born. When he uttered those words, you think he was in a real good emotional state of mind? No, he wasn't. He was going through it. He was down. He lost everything. He was probably saying, you know, I give my best. And he does per se say that in the scripture. I gave my best to God. Now look, God, why did you do this? You know, God, we tell people don't question God, but yet we all do it. I want to explain that. It's the difference in putting God in question and asking God questions why. You get it? We can't put God in question that he was wrong, but we can't ask him God why. And we may not always get the answer, but he'll be there with us to carry us through that. But Job was an incredible man, wasn't he? But did he deal with depression? Did he go through anxiety? Was he under stress? Was he under pressure? Was his mind robbed of him in his sleep? He lost all of his children in just a moment. He lost all of his cattle, his livestock. Then he got attacked by his health. I mean, you don't want to see you don't see anybody filling out a job application. Huh? But he was a great man. What about Elijah? Wasn't he awesome? I mean, he prayed fire down out of heaven. I mean, it was incredible things. Seven major miracles in Elijah's day. It was awesome. Well, go to 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 4. If I gave it. 
But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree. Now, I want to stop for a minute. This was right after the great victory at Mount Carmel when fire came down and consumed the altars that had been soaked by 12 barrels of water. He had got up and made fun of the prophets of Baal. He had mocked them and said, where's your God? He's a pre-adventure. He's on vacation or he's this. He's asleep and he just had a heyday. It was marked down as one of the greatest days of Elijah's life. But when he left there, somebody slipped him a note. Slipped him a note. That's what changed the whole thing. Just one word. One little statement. And that note said, was from Jezebel. And she said, I'm going to do to you. I'm going to have you killed, basically. And a man that just saw fire come down out of heaven and have great victory at Mount Carmel. He took that note from Jezebel, and he went and sat on a juniper tree, and look what he said. And he requested for himself that he might die. He said, Lord, just go ahead and take me. He just come down off of Mount Carmel. But that's what one word or one statement or one thing from somebody can turn your world around just like that. Just because we are people of emotions. We people of faith, but we're people of emotion. And look what and he said, it is enough now. It is enough now, O oh Lord. Take my life, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Lord, just go ahead and get rid of me. <clears throat> God lets an angel show up. And the angel just kind of looks at him like, What doest thou here, Elijah? What, what doest thou here? You know, how many times have we been battling oppression or anxiety or depression, stress, and the Spirit of the Lord just kind of comes along and nudges, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? I remember laying on my bedroom floor in Mendenhall. Lacey and Brittany and Clay were homeschooling. I was evangelizing, and I went through a time of depression because my heart wanted to pastor and I was evangelizing. I mean, I'm just being transparent. And I went through this attack of the enemy. And I would go through this depression every day. I'd weep all the way to a revival. I'd cry all the way to that church nearby. And I'd go preach. We'd have people get the Holy Ghost. We'd have healings. We'd have, I mean, God was doing great things. I'd walk out the doors of that church and bam, depression would hit me again. And all the way home, I'd weep and cry. I've gone down the highway and screamed to the top of my voice. And I was sitting there one day in that bedroom in Mendenhall, and I had my head sandwiched between two pillows. And I was boo-hooing, and I was all down, and there was no daylight. There was no break. There was nothing. And all of a sudden, the Lord kind of said, what are you doing? He said, you could be praising me. He said, get up. And the Lord told me this. He said, get up and start praising me. <laughs> I got up off of that floor, and I started running around that bedroom, and I started shouting and talking in tongues and yelling and dancing in the spirit. I don't know who it was opening the door, but one of my kids opened the door. <laughs> What's going on in here? But you know what? That spirit left me. 
God came in and he removed it. But it took a spirit of worship. What am I saying? I don't have the ever answer to our emotions and to depression and anxiety. I'm not going to make out like I do. But I'm telling you, God's there for us. And he'll come to our midnight hour and he'll speak, what you? What are you doing? I've got another solution. You may be going through a hard time. You may have faced a major loss. These things may be happening in your life. But I'm still God. I say he's still God he hasn't forgotten us and he won't abandon us and oh yeah my next one I'm going to talk about and I don't know how far I'll get tonight but uh, I'll get to when I quit I guess but what about King David wasn't he an awesome guy I mean the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart hello And the Bible says of him that he served his generation. He is known as one of the greatest men in the scripture. But let's look at some things David said. I don't know what order I have those scriptures put in. Psalm 142. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint. He was complaining. He he presented his complaint. He said, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my troubles. Just like God doesn't already know. But we still do it. Thank God we do it. Lord, here's my problem. Sometimes I catch myself praying, God, here's what needs to be done. Would you do this? And I think, God, just have your way. I'm not going to quit telling you what to do and how to do it. But I catch, we catch ourselves doing that, don't we? God, this is what I need. And this is how I need it to, to happen. But he poured out and he, before him his trouble. Watch this in verse 3. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me. That, that's overwhelming, isn't it? His spirit was overwhelmed within him. Then thou knewest my path. And the way wherein I walked, have they privately laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand, behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. He's going back over it. My spirit's overwhelmed. God, you knew my path. You knew what I was going through. God, you saw what they were doing to me. You saw how they were setting traps for me. You, 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 you noticed when I, there was nobody there for me. Boy, he really poured it out on you think he's in the best emotional state of mind? Nope. Think he's having a bad day? Oh, yeah. He's depressed. He's oppressed. He's under pressure. He's feeling alone. And there's nobody that cares. That's what he said. No man cared for my soul. Let me stop you. You ever felt like nobody cared? Knowing all, all the while some people care. Come on. But we can get to that place. There was people that cared about David. He had men in the camp. But he got to that state of mind, brother Roy. He felt like there just nobody understands and nobody cares. But then he let's go to the next verse. I cried unto thee and I said, Lord, I, I said, Oh Lord, I said, Thou art 
my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. God, I might not have anybody here on my side. I may be in the worst state of emotions that I've ever been. I may be with the wrongness, with a distorted perspective of life and where I'm at and of others. But one thing is not distorted. I know where you're at. I know you're my refuge. I know you're my portion in the land of the living. We can't stop oppression and depression and anxiety and stress and pressure. But one thing we can do, we can look up and we can reach up and we can call out to the Lord for that help. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. You ever felt like your soul was in prison? You're so stressed and worried you can't even pray? Oh, I know you're all angels. But I've been so stressed and worried about people and about things. I couldn't pray for having just them on my mind. I I start trying to pray for others, and I could pray nobody but for them. And you go lay down at night, and you can't even sleep because that's all on your mind. Come on. Hallelujah. Hope this is okay for everybody. He said, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about for thou shalt deal bountiful with me. God has willed for our lives to be lived in peace. Everybody say it. Peace. Jesus. Amen. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 through 7 says, don't be And I'm using another translation here. Don't be anxious about anything. I want to use this translation because it used the word anxious. The original King King James Version used careful, but it means anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer, this is giving us some steps, and petition with thanksgiving. Why in the world does God want to put that in there? Huh? Pour out our complaints. Bring prayer and petition with thanksgiving. He said, if you're going to bring your request to me, put a little thanksgiving in there with it. Woo! You're going to bring me your bully grubs and all your problems. Bring them on. But put a little thanksgiving in there. Because when you throw some thanksgiving in there, you're going to remember I was the one there when you were down on your luck last time. Because when you throw a little thanksgiving in there, you're going to remember that I'm the one that brought you out. I heard you cry. You're going to remember the healings and the miracles and the answer prayers. And you're going to get in a better state of mind that you can present this to me with faith and not with doubt. Come on, somebody. We don't need to go to God with doubt. So he said, throw a little thanksgiving in there because that thanksgiving is going to revive your faith and you're going to be able to bring your knees to me with faith think about it a minute we've all took stuff to the Lord with doubt and so he's a wise God he said if you're going to bring it to me bring it but throw a little faith in there throw a little thanksgiving in there because thanksgiving changes it all oh praise God it gets us in a better state of mind and like I said it revives our faith somebody said with thanksgiving 
present your request to God. And the peace of God. Everybody say the peace of God. Now when you see that and, that means it's following the previous statement. If you do this, and afterwards that we've done this, there's a peace of God that passeth all understanding. Woo! When before there was no peace, there was stress, there was confusion, there was fear, there was all this stuff, but we follow this guideline and we do it, then he says, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding, watch this, will keep, is what the King James Version says, but another version tells us what it means, is to guard, everybody say guard, to guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. That peace of God will guard our hearts. That peace of God will give us an assurance. That peace that cometh from above, it guards our minds and it gives us that assurance that everything's going to be all right. Amen. Now, if peace is not there, our mind is going, man. Our heart is sinking. But when the peace of God is there, It'll guard our mind. It'll guard our heart from getting off track. It's all right. All right. Sometimes I get those looks and I'm wondering. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want you to take notice of a certain part of that verse that sometimes we don't catch it. We talk about God's given us, didn't give us fear, but he gave us power. He gave us love, and he gave us a sound mind, didn't he? But let's go back and let's see what he's really saying. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. There's a spirit there. And that spirit of fear comes from the devil. Because faith can't live where fear is. Faith can't function where fear is at. Doubt sets in. Amen. But he said here, I've given you, he said, but of, that means the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. Come on. Why does it say sound mind? Because we can get off balance. We can get all messed up in our thinking. We can get down and out. We can feel hopeless. We can feel like nobody cares. Sound mind. Come on. Sound mind. We're not getting messed up with our, with our minds. Fear robs peace. I'm going to have you out of here by 8. I promise. It gives me 18 minutes. Is that too long? Good. Thank you. I used this in a sermon I preached yesterday at a funeral and uh, felt like I'd use it again, not knowing exactly what I teach tonight. But this is so important because it's peace. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We stop right there. This is one of the greatest verses in the Scripture. The Lord, 
God Almighty, the creator of the world, the all-powerful God, the unlimited God, is my shepherd. Isn't that incredible? That word mine makes it personal. He's not just the shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. But he's my shepherd. He's the one who watches over us every day. Every day we wake up, there's a shepherd watching us. Every step we make, there's a shepherd. Every time we get off course, there's a shepherd reaching us. Every time the enemy's trying to come in to destroy us, there's a shepherd there to protect and guard us. Why did David use the terminology, the example of a shepherd? Because he was a shepherd. He knows the love of a shepherd. He knew the responsibility of a shepherd. He knew the dangers that came to the sheep. And he reminded himself of when he was out on those Judean hills and all the things the sheep did, all the things that he did, how he felt about them, all that responsibility and care for them. And he said, you know what? That's what the Lord is to me. Praise God. I want you to say it, the Lord. Is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Now, understand that word want. That doesn't mean we don't ever want anything if we want too much. Had an uncle one time, Uncle Kermit Bridges. He said, boy, you better watch your wants. They'll get the best of you. I said, why is that? Because you won't never stop wanting. I said, well, you're right. (laughs) It doesn't mean we won't want stuff, but this want means need. You're not going to have a need that he won't take care of because he said, I shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. The Lord is my shepherd. You ought to walk out of here this morning, this evening, saying, God is my shepherd. You ought to wake up in the morning and say, the Lord is my shepherd. Whatever I face today, he'll be there. He'll keep me. He'll watch over me. Have you ever been in trouble? Have you ever been scared, stressed out? In a bind, in a mess, where'd you go? Where did you go? You went to God because you knew where to went. You knew where to go to. You went to the Lord because He's the answer. And a lot of times we make a lot of promises when we're in trouble. Oh, come on, somebody, Lord, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna start. They'll start showing up in the prayer room when they're in trouble. Come on, because we know we need God. And God wants us to do that. He said, I'm a very present help in a time of trouble. But when we're not in trouble, let's don't forget God. Kind of like the man swimming across the ocean. Uh, 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 the big river, whatever. And he's saying, God, please don't let me drown. I, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do this. I'm, gonna not, I'm never going to do that again and on and on. And the closer he got to the shore, the lesser the prayer was. And his prayer changed. He said, well, Lord, one day I'm going to live for you. When he got on his feet, started walking to the shore. So we can change when we're not in trouble. Amen. Thank God that we can call on the Lord who is our shepherd. Amen. I won't go into all of that. Uh, he said, he restoreth my soul. How many times has our spirit been out of whack? Amen. But God would restore our soul. He leadeth us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's a hard place. He said, I will fear no evil. Not because he was a bad dude. Not because he could kill a lion and a bear with his bare hands. But you know why he wasn't afraid? He said, for thou art with me. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me or they bring peace to me. Clap your hands to the Lord. I'm almost done. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy. It's personal. I'm your God. That's what he's saying. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Oh, praise God. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now watch this word let. It doesn't mean it won't get afraid. But don't allow it to stay there. We can't stop it from coming, but we're the one that lets it stay. And that's what he's saying, don't let it. Don't give room for it. Don't give it an allowance to. Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah 26 and 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Our minds, what the devil wants to attack. He wants to get us thinking all kinds of stuff. Get us with bad attitudes. Bad perspectives. Down on everything. Come on. We're human. Doesn't make us wrong or bad. Just make us in a bad place. But that's why we need to get our mind on God. Woo. Come on, somebody. And if we're a mind to stay on God because we trust Him, come on, then He will give us a perfect peace. That says, Lord, I'm going to, you know, I was thinking on the way down here. I'm probably blowing a sermon right now. But I was thinking, you know, there was years that we lived before there was ever a satellite. But now there's satellites all in the heavens, in, in the skies. Right? Our cell phones work off of them. My truck operates off of it, many parts of my truck, the technology parts. And I could go further if I studied it out and what all happens because of I mean they track us everywhere we go we got a phone and satellites and I thought you know Lord way before there was ever satellites there was an all seeing eye a God who sees and knows all things hallelujah but they couldn't even watch us until they got above them that phone there's a satellite connected to that's above us, that's above this earth, above all the interferences. And when we begin to trust in God and keep our mind stayed on the Lord, that's what it does. It lifts us above the troubles of this world. It puts us up in an atmosphere of faith, and we can begin to keep our mind on the Lord, and we can trust Him, and there is a peace. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. I'm almost done. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not 
thine own understanding. Come here just a minute, Brother Tony. I'm closing with this and two more verses. I'm not there at 8 o'clock yet. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Now, you're understanding. You're my understanding, okay? You're my understanding. You're my understanding. The way I see things. The way I figure it out. My perspective. The way I want to do it. The way I think it's going to happen. That's my understanding. So if I lean toward you, that's what I'm going to go with. Hmm? Exactly. You hear him? Hear him? Let him preach a little bit. He said, no, 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 no. Come back here. I go back to preach. <laughs> he said, but I wouldn't be thinking that. We lean to our understanding. We're going to, but he said, you're leaning away from God. Hello? But we lean to our understanding. We're going to do the things we're leaning toward. You can be seated. And God has said, don't lean toward that. Don't give place for that. But lean away from that. And put our trust in God who knows all things. A God who loves us. A God who can change things. A God that's going to keep us through this time. That's where we want to put our trust in. Oh, praise God. I was sitting with uh, Brother Simon and Ken today. And I said, you know, there's one step beyond faith. Y'all probably said many times. One step beyond faith, and that's trust. Faith brings you hope. Trust will bring us peace. Hello? God, I'm going to trust you. Even when I can't, when I don't agree with it, when I don't like it, when I can't understand it, I'm going to trust you. Oh, hallelujah. Let's stand and give the Lord praise tonight. Perfect peace. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, we, we're not going to change the climate of our world. I walked outside this morning. It was a little chilly. I looked out across the lake in the back, and I said, you know, chances are it won't be long. There's going to be snow all over this ground. My wife's from Arizona. She's not used to this. And I was thinking, boy, she's going to be in a shock if it gets down to 8 degrees. Snow and ice. Then the thought came. There's nothing I can do about the weather, the temperature. It can get 10 below, and there's nothing I can do about it. It can get 117 like it was the day they built my steps of my home, and there's nothing I can do about it. But there's one thing I can do is determine what's in here. I can get by a heater. I can stay in an air conditioner. The choice is mine, not the climate. The climate of my world doesn't determine my world. Come on. And neither does the climate of this world determine our peace and our joy and our sound mind. God does. Oh, hallelujah. You can be seen.